it. The evil is gone. You should have told somebody. I told everybody. Oh, for God's sakes, he can't drive a car. He was doing very well last night. He came home. Man wouldn't do that. This isn't a man. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. What was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. Go on! What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. You don't know what death is. I shot him six times. I, I shot him in the heart. And this guy, this man, is, he's not human. Neither conscience nor... All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the film room here. I might look a little different. Well, actually, this is the first time you guys have ever seen me in person, virtually or whatever. I don't actually have long black hair. This is a costume, and I'm wearing it for Halloween. And we're also recording the Halloween episode tonight with Keller. This is a lot of fun. This is our first episode using uh, Riverside FM, so it's a little kind of Zoom-like thing specifically for podcasters. So we're going to see how it goes thinking that it might be a little more interactive and fun to do it this way. Unfortunately, it doesn't work on my laptop, so I got to use it on my phone, but we'll get that fixed. But I'm super excited to dive into this film, the 1978 original, the classic. And I think Keller is too. He's been a pretty big fan. So without any further ado, let's uh, let's kind of dig into this. And it's awesome because it's spooky season. We're, we're kind of on that last week right before before halloween so i feel like this is perfect timing what have you been up to keller i got ready for this episode first of all i'm very excited to be here <clears throat> i got ready for this episode by watching the blair witch project um <clears throat> so i can i can tell you a lot about that right now but it's been about a month since i watched um halloween because we were thinking about doing an episode earlier but um I still, yeah, I still really want to talk about it. And uh, just been doing a lot of the whole uh, October uh, movie marathon of, of horror movies. That's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> I know I watched it like a month ago and then I ended up um, watching it again last night. And I felt like I've seen, we've both seen the, the new one. Won't talk about that one, but um <laughs> And I just felt like going back and watching the 78 original again. And after seeing that, I'm just like, it makes me miss like simplicity and not having things be so convoluted. And uh, yeah. <laughs> if you know what I mean? So, yeah. So this, this October, um, oh man, I've seen, so the new Halloween movie, I watched Halloween 78 last night and then um, uh, went to Barbarian on Saturday which I enjoy. I love that. That was a good one. Oh man, I can't think of what else have I I feel like I've been kind of like oh I think I, I rewatched the the new screen that came out last year, but other than that I don't know if I've watched like much else for horror. I need to Did, to get did you out. catch Smile in theaters? I haven't seen that and I haven't seen the new Terrifier movie, but with the reports of people vomiting and and, and passing out, I, I kind of want to like go and experience it in theaters. <laughs> um, 
And by the way, that movie is like blowing it out of the water. Like it's got like eighty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got it had a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget, and it's made like three million dollars. Like it's more than ten times its budget. So I think we're going to be seeing more of Art the Clown in the coming future. He might be that new modern day type slasher icon. Fucking fake ass hair in my mouth. <laughs> it definitely got a. <laughs> seemed like he got a cult following after the first movie. I wasn't a huge fan of the first one, but um, how popular the second one is, I'd definitely give it a try. Yeah, I I just find it insane that people are saying that this is like like ten times more violent and gory and brutal than the first. And I was like, man, I thought the first one was like, yeah, the top. I mean, they're just so over the top stuff. Beyond, in that you know, first and one. then beyond that is like rated X. You know, you got to start censoring some shit so i don't know it'll it'll be interesting to see but yeah i'm excited to dive into to halloween here i got a bunch of of notes um now this is a movie that is like near and dear to my heart and i don't i'm not sure if like a lot of people would agree with this but i know that it's an instant horror classic but i just i find it just an instant like american cinema classic i think that it it you know, regardless of the genre, I feel like you can really slide that in as one of the best films ever made, especially looking at the shoestring budget that it had back in 78. And I find myself bare minimum, at least one time per year, especially around the Halloween time, watching this film. What about you? Yeah, this has become, uh, since you got, got me into slashers, uh, this has become something that I love is one of my favorite movies and um definitely is a tradition now to to watch it every year i watched it with my family actually um last month or in august i think it was and like my parents hate horror movies and they they really enjoyed it i think it's it has kind of just the way it's shot and like the characters and um it has mass appeal that a lot of other slashers don't, and it's kind of clean compared yeah. to other slashers. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, everything from the score to um, uh, just the sim- symbolism and um, some reason it's like a com- very comfort comfortable movie. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, uh, nostalgic. <clears throat> but um, yeah, I think that definitely keeps me coming back to it. Plus, Michael's just such an iconic. Um, just force in in horror. Yeah, I agree with you on all those points. I had a really unique opportunity. Um, so two years ago, basically in the peak of the pandemic, when a lot of people were pulling movies, the Halloween Kills was delayed, and a lot of people weren't releasing films into the theaters. Well, one way that theaters were trying to you know keep afloat, they were actually showing like older seventies and eighties films. And I remember two years ago, my wife and I we were able to go to the 1978 original Halloween and uh, in a dream lounger in the theater. And I was like, giddy. I was just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm able to do this. It was a super cool experience. And I felt like I was in a time machine and I absolutely loved it. Speaking of that in town here where I live, they're actually going to be showing it again on, on Thursday. Uh, So that's, I'm probably, I'm not going to go to it, but I just think that's like super cool that they're going to continue to do that. But yeah. Yeah. I wish they did more of that around here. I'd, 
I'd go to um, retro, especially horror movies, at any point in the theater. I, that's just such a cool, like, reliving it type of experience that right. you don't get at home as much. Yeah, it's, like, super interesting. It's almost like having your own home. Like, when you build your own home theater, it's like you're going to watch films like that. And because you don't have the chance to see them in theaters. But when they start bringing those retro ones back, you can just like, oh, I don't have to spend thousands of dollars building my own home theater. and just go for five, ten bucks on, exactly. on, on discount night and go. Yeah, it's, it's super cool. Uh, so I kind of want to talk about the first time we watched uh, the original Halloween and just like the impact that it had on us. So I'll go first here. I, I remember growing up for a solid 10 years, I was obsessed with AMC Fear Fest. So it was a television programming that literally for like a month straight, it was nothing but like 70s, 80s and 90s like horror films. It was amazing. And I remember when I was younger, I actually might have seen Halloween 4 and 5 before I saw the original just because they replayed Halloween 4 and 5 so freaking much but i do remember this like promo that they did and i wish i could find like the advertisement that they had for the specific year that they ran this but it was a super catchy song it was like halloween yes it is frightening and it was like it was like <laughs> like the original halloween and it was like michael like like all of his kills and stuff and it was like super cool and i remember like humming it to myself when i was like walking to school and shit i was a little weirdo but um i i just remember that that kind of like was the beginning of me appreciating horror films and appreciating like the season of like autumn like i just love everything that comes with autumn and especially just like scary movies it's cozy and yeah i just remember spending i'd get done with school at you know three three o'clock i'd get home at three thirty, and i'd watch two three scary movies a night didn't care if i was rewatching them but i remember i probably when i was young like that i probably watched halloween four, five, six times in a month just because they showed it so much. So I just I just know that it scared the hell out of me. It had a huge influence on me, obviously, because I'm still super into it and I'm talking about it on podcasts and I'm writing about it. But um, I must have been probably eight or nine when I started doing that. So what about you? When was the first time you started uh, dipping your toes into the Halloween franchise? <clears throat> I envy you your childhood experience because I remember those AMC Fear Fests and like I never, <clears throat> I mean, I just, horror movies and scary movies never held like an appeal to me as a kid. Um, I'm not sure why because I feel like I wouldn't have been super scared by them. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, for some reason I was never drawn to them, but I I feel like if I had gotten into them then I would have been into them since then. But I was a late camp, late comer in college um, to just like delving into horror movies, um, and I remember watching in the basement of my friend Sean's place. Um, all lights off. It was like a couple days before Halloween. Um, none of us had seen the original Halloween before, <clears throat> so we decided we were going with that. We were doing kind of a retro horror movie uh run we had just watched hellraiser a couple days before um and halloween had just blown like almost any horror movie i'd watched up to that point over the few years that i've been really into them out of the water 
Um, and yeah, it was just, uh, a different kind of experience. Cause like, it didn't scare me quite as much as like, uh, a lot of the other newer movies that had like psychological or, um, par like paranormal possession elements to them. Um, that those ones get to me a lot more just scary wise, but, um, I think, I mean, it did have definitely like the suspense and the tenseness of Halloween uh, really kept me engaged in um, just all the other filmmaking elements that um, just it, it excelled at, especially compared to other slashers. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's actually crazy. And part of me, I envy you for starting in college because you get all these firsts now and you're, you're fresh and, you know, we're not too far removed from that. So you had a small amount of time, but you have a lot of catching up to do, mm -hmm. you know? So this is kind of cool for you. I mean, it, I, I mean, I do like that. I, I, I got to experience these when I was younger and the, the true terror, right? Like when I was like, Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to go to bed now. Like after watching something like that, but yeah, that's super cool. I mean, it'll be cool to see what, how things like shape out too, because they, we had that huge, like I felt like 10 to 15 year run where it was like those paranormal devil slash possession films mm -hmm. that really They're relied on like the jump scares and stuff like that. And don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Those like, those definitely scare me, but there's just something about this guy right behind me that I don't know. It's just so terrifying. And that's like part of the conversation that I want to have with you too, because clearly there's a certain effectiveness that the character of Michael Myers has on the audience, or sometimes they refer to him as the shape. And now it's 40 plus years of 13, I think installments of, of Halloween films. And just because they slapped ends at the end of a title does not mean that it's going to end folks. It's, if it's making money, it's going to keep on going. My question for you because I want to hear from you first on, on your thoughts on this. Why, how is, how is Michael Myers? Like, why is he so scary? Why is he so terrifying? I think part of it is uh, just the fact that he does move. So like slowly and inexorably um, in the direction that he's going, he is just like an unstoppable object that, is just, he knows that he's going to get his target, so he just takes his time and he drives slowly. And <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I think that's big, and also just the silence. Um, like you, he's inscrutable. You don't really know his um, motivations for what he's doing. And I mean, um, uh, what's the doctor's name? Uh, Loomis. Yeah. He has his theories and everything um, that, the, and they eventually build out his motivations a lot more in the other movies. Um, but like right away, all you have is like the ravings of this doctor, um, and just like the very brief backstory of him encountering his and killing his sister as a kid. Um, but then your mind just goes to like, why is he? doing all this why does he want to come home um and why is he hunting and stalking these people um and it's set in a suburban area um like an idyllic suburb 
where everybody is so carefree um, that I think some people can relate to, at least from parts of their lives. Um, and can't just can't imagine like a terror like that entering their idyllic little circle. Um, and home invasion is a just a genre of movie that's I think just gets to people a lot more. Um, but yeah, I think why like it follows um, is one of the scariest movies I've seen. Is the same thing like just as they can move as slowly as they want, but just inexorably moving towards you. You know, it's going to come for you and it's going to get you eventually. Um, uh, I, I think um, it follows, like, definitely borrowed some of that um, just inertia from from Halloween. Yeah, nothing's truly original anymore, which is fine. It's You can take a certain idea and, you know, spin it your with your own idea and still make something unique and yeah all the things that you said i i can echo and i agree with i feel like the biggest thing for me is just the mystery behind the mask you know i i feel like with the first film it's just so simple and it gets a little crazy there with the sequels and the rest of the franchise but i think it's effective because you're always asking yourself why and like he's just like so mysterious and when you bring up suburbia i mean you just think of safety like you just think it's safe and it's comfortable and you have something like that a sense of evil entering that space and it makes you uncomfortable and i don't know i i feel like a lot of people think that they're kind of beating a dead horse and and they're and they're talking in circles with, with with these Halloween films, and there's they've already done everything that they can with it. And I was one of those people. I was thinking, yep, you've done everything that you can with the Michael Myers character. It'd be nice if we got something new. And I would like something new. I would like maybe something unique in the slasher genre. But after I had mentioned to you, I read Taking Shape Part One and Two, where you kind of look at all of the sequels that are left on the cutting room floor and all of the opportunities that are there, dude, I mean, you should, we should have another, another conversation once you, once you read those books and for folks that have, yeah, like, you know to. what I'm talking about? Like there are some pretty solid ideas that they have to continue this story of Michael Myers, because the Laurie Strode story is dumb. It's over with. That's been told in three different renditions, or actually four with the Rob Zombie ones, and it's just Man Stocks Girl. I think there's so much more that you can actually do with the character of Michael moving forward based on some of those spec scripts that they they had dating all the way back to like 1984, 1985. I don't know um, if they've like went into this in The Taking Shape books but um i would like to see as an or if i haven't seen any of the sequels so or except for this most recent trilogy so maybe they even did something with this but i'd love to see some either backstory or something <laughs> in the asylum where uh michael is even like most of a movie taking place in the asylum where like loomis is trying to reach him and 
Um, well, like, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Yeah, and, and it's not done well. And well, it's two, okay. it's a two-hour film, and about forty-five minutes of it takes place in the asylum. But it's Rob Zombie. It's it's just not great. Poorly paced, poorly written. Um, it's entertaining, but you're you're spot on with that with that idea because they. I mean, I remember like it's crazy because I read I read those books in probably a span of like four or five weeks, and it was a lot of content. So I don't really remember a lot of specifics. I'd love to revisit them, but I do remember there's probably at least three or four ideas that they had where it solely focused on Smith's Grove Asylum and like basically what happened while he was there. And then there's there's actually one really cool idea where it was like how there was like a certain staff member who took like a liking and took him under his wing and like groomed him and showed him how to drive and showed him how to like oh, yeah. do all these things and like it, like it was they needed somebody to show him how to drive to explain that well in Rob Zombie's films he he has him walk everywhere and, and they asked him in a panel they're like why why doesn't he drive to Haddonfield it's like 200 miles away from uh from Smith's Grove and he goes well he he got locked up before he could drive so he, it's stupid. That's dumb. He can't drive, so he walks. I'm like, geez. Yeah, that makes sense. That's uh, that's kind of crazy because, you know, in this film, it's like Loomis is like, well, somebody must must have been giving him lessons then. And then <laughs> yeah. the guy's like, he doesn't even know how to drive. And can I just say this? After going through these three, this this new trilogy, and not watching the older. Uh, Halloween films and not seeing Donald Pleasance in a long time. Oh my god. Was that just like, just so nice. It, 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 just hearing him and his, his his madness and his just fucking, just snappiness you know, just, I, I don't know. It, I love it, his character. He is one of my favorite he's amazing. horror movie characters. Hey, yeah. don't, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. By the fifth movie, you're like, okay. I'm I'm a bit. I, this is kind of getting old because as the movies go on, he he gets crazier and crazier and crazier, like to the point where like that. he has those like snapping moments in the first two, but in like four and five, he is fucking berserk, dude. He's actually, does he like, just become crazy Ralph by the end of the trilogy or by the end of the sequels? I'll just say this: at some point, he like basically uses a little girl as bait. That's how like insane he gets. It's 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 pretty crazy. But I will say that for as much as he kind of he kind of just like weighs on you after a bit, it was nice to kind of go back and just be like, uh, I miss Loomis. And also a thought that I have too is like, I just realized how like ineffective he was this entire film. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, he like he's basically doing his own like side story the whole time, um, just like adjacent to all the actual stuff that's going down. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's kind of on the right track trying to get the <clears throat> sheriff to the house that he thinks Michael's going to. But uh, he's at least in the right neighborhood. Well, I find it funny that what was he standing behind that bush for three hours until he realized that the state <laughs> yeah. fleet vehicle was like right behind him. 
That's right. Yeah. That, oh that was pretty funny. But yeah, now like watching it again, I'm just like, man, he like really. And I wanted to ask you this too, because when they're in the Myers house and uh, Sheriff Brackett's like, oh, I'll call, the, I'll call, um, I'll let all my patrolmen know and I'll let the National Guard or something, or I don't know, something, or state, state troopers, I'll let them know. And then he said something along the lines of like, uh, no, they'll see him in every house and every alleyway. Uh, just tell your men to keep quiet and uh, keep their eyes out. And I'm <laughs> yeah, like, once. So like that... telling them about to keep their eyes out for a psycho, they're going to start just freaking out so much that they, that they're just going to start shooting like every a... shadow. Yeah. So I didn't, un- I didn't quite understand that. And I was like, Am I just stupid or something? Like, I'm gonna ask like Keller, like if he, if there's like a reasoning behind it, because I was like, it's it's almost it's almost like Sheriff Brackett's like line was a mistake. Like he probably like like or almost it was like out of character for him to be like, well, why don't we just like tell the cops? Why don't we just solve this situation? Yeah. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> Let's keep this on the down low. <laughs> there's a guy out there that could, you know quite possibly be killing i think loomis maybe has a little bit of a hero complex where he wants to be the one to always stop michael or to kill him the only the only thing that i can think of is that he didn't want to make that announcement because he didn't want michael to be arrested Mm. he wanted to kill michael himself that's a good that's a really good theory i think that holds up and or he didn't want like Michael to hear that they were aware that they were after him or something. But I think, yeah, him just wanting to end it and kill Michael, I think, is the best theory. That's what I'm going with. I got to have a charger. Didn't realize I was going to use my phone. <laughs> got a better look at me now. For those of you listening oh, on the podcasting platform. <laughs> wearing a little get up and the only way you can see me is if you go to our patreon account because that's where we're going to post the the video portion of this all right understand do you get it yet do it all right so before we get into more of this film here i do have another theory um it's not my own theory it's actually a theory um I watched the YouTube video. I don't agree with it, but it was kind of an interesting take. And it was basically about how initially was Michael targeting Annie and not Lori. Well, he does. Yeah. Well, he was uh, yeah, watching Lori. He was initially watching her, so here, here's here's like the argument that he had. Yeah, was what did I say? He's, he's, when she went to go drop off the key at the Myers house, he saw her, right? Through the door. And then he followed her. He followed her to school and was watching her. And then, on their walk home with Annie and Linda, he drives past, and that's when he first sees Annie. And yes, he was still following Lori after that, but he ends up basically for the next 30 minutes of the film following Annie. 
Yeah, it is kind of interesting how he... Um, I mean, Lori is set up as, like, his final target. But mm-hmm. he... Um, I think he might get, like, kind of distracted by... Because he's following Lori, and then they're, like... I don't know if he, like, overhears their conversations or something and just kind of learns how um, pure Lori is compared to the other two, Lin- Linda and Annie. Um, and he's like, I'm just going to quick off these other two before I get to Lori. I can't remember. what What's the, uh, the, like, is it kind of a thing where, like, he thinks Lori is some uh representation of his sister uh that might that that's a good theory that could quite possibly be it i know in the rob zombie reboot he purposely made the character of laurie strode to look very very similar to the sister that he killed i mean he she is like still like that's still the sister subplot so he's she's actually is like Michael Myers' sister in that one. Oh really? Yeah. Interesting. Um but I don't know. It I don't agree with the whole anything. I I tried kind of having that that point of view when I was watching it again last night. Isn't he like decades older than Lori? No. Okay. Michael how, Martin, yeah, how old would he Michael, be in uh in the words of Donald or uh, Doctor Loomis, Michael Myers is twenty-one. Oh, so Michael Myers is man. twenty-one, and Lori is like seventeen or eighteen. So they're very similar in age. And okay, um, but yeah, I don't agree with the whole Annie subplot. I I did find it interesting though that, and this is one thing that I really enjoy now too, watching that. And I feel like in any future installments of Halloween films, this needs to be brought in again, because I feel like that's been lacking, even going into this most recent Hollow Green trilogy. The stock. The stock, dude. Yes. That, I love that. It's so That's the biggest part for me, is that that builds the suspense, and then then you get the payoff of the kill. And that's his way of getting off, I feel like, is is like watching them from a window watching them from a closet you know being toys with them yep toys with them and that's like his way of like getting that fill and that's his game is like watching them before he finally you know ends up killing them and um yeah just watching that and being like wow he really like yeah he stalked Lori earlier in the day but man he was really really on annie's tail there and yeah, that's really like the only personality he shows is like the um kind of the creativity in his like hunt and the creativity of his kills. Um like he's a little crafter. He he's... did the whole thing with the with the ghost costume and I love that. Um, yeah. I love that. It comes out of nowhere, but it's <clears throat> it it's it's a super nice touch. One thing and I talked about this for Texas Chainsaw Massacre is that there's like this huge controversy of how people were upset that like basically the men were dispatched like super like quickly and swiftly like a swipe of a knife a swipe of a mallet to the head and mm-hmm. the women were like chased and terrorized and like hung on a meat hook for hours before they were killed and like 
they were tortured essentially or had more gruesome deaths and going into this film you could almost say the same thing because bob who does get put up against that flimsy ass closet door that can apparently hold him (laughs) uh he gets stabbed in the chest and he gets hung up there he struggled for a bit but for the most part he I don't know. It was kind of a quick death, in my opinion. Out of anybody in horror movies, Bob's also one of the most deserving of a long meat hook death, too. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but if you if you think about it, he strangled Annie and then slit her throat, and then he strangled Linda. So like those like strangulation is like you're suffering all the way till the end. You're fighting like those are those are brutal. So yeah, that's brutal. Uh, those are hard to watch. Yeah, those are those are definitely. Yeah, hard to watch, but no, I agree about Bob. And hey, fun fact: Did you know that Bob was originally supposed to be played by Dennis Quaid? No, that's an interesting little tidbit. That would have, that would have been an interesting character. <laughs> that would have made that like creepy line that no, he had. Yeah, what the fuck did that come from? Know, Who wrote I that? I have bit? that in my notes. I've always found that to be like so odd. I'm just like, he's making a joke, but that's also like she's like fucking but that was also like written by somebody to be in there it, as I know. like yeah it, it like got past humor. The, the line manager and the line manager was like oh yeah sure he's just joking around like that's like really weird like know. what but he put that in there that's, yeah he deserves it but oh yeah go ahead so you're uh yeah the other men um, what was the other Annie's guy? Oh, Paul or never shows up. He lucks out because That's Annie right. never makes it, and then nobody answers the phone. That's right. I, my my whole my whole life, I was like, I would love in an alternate universe if Paul just walked over. That'd be great. I know. That'd be yeah, really cool. Just check check in. Yeah, like, just be like, Annie, where are you? You know, and bob the idiot took the phone off the line and that was paul calling for sure yeah you gotta think that's paul or wait um yeah so they were at um the place where annie was babysitting the wallace house babysitting yeah um and they were afraid that that was uh, the Wallace is calling to check in on Lindsay and to call Annie. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought that might have been the parents, but yeah, that's what they thought. That probably was Paul. Yeah, it was probably Paul because Paul called earlier too. So, yeah, and then the only other male death that we saw was off screen. It was that tow truck driver or whatever laying in the weeds next to the railroad tracks. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of the same. Like, I watched Friday the 13th for the first time. Um, last week and that had the same thing where there's a lot of off-screen male deaths and just gruesome uh on-screen female deaths i know um including a beheading of a middle-aged woman it's crazy um, so hey i want to i want to mention this real quick and i think it's from the taking shape books but that tow truck driver that we didn't get to see killed, we just see him laying there with, like, looks like they painted an X on his chest of blood. Mm-hmm. There is, it's either a comic or, like, a short story that somebody wrote about that man's life and how he was the first victim oh. of Michael Myers. And it's, like, about how he 
he like went through a divorce and all these things and it's him like he was on the payphone trying to call like his wife to like get her back like just one night it's actually cool like to hear i love that people fixate on those little little aspects of movies so now before you wouldn't think of right the 40 other times i've watched it i haven't thought anything about this guy and now the last two or three times i'm just like oh man he he had a really bad day (laughs) (laughs) people should i want to look up fan fictions for every like minor like maintenance worker and blue collar guy who gets killed in these horror movies just because they're in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah it's funny and then also another kind of series that got started from a fan um i think it was actually a comic book series if you remember dr loomis when he was walking up to where judas myers uh headstone was supposed to be the grave digger was like basically talking about yeah we had there's a similar case in russellville uh 15 years ago or whatever where this guy he just snapped he killed his family and blah 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 well somebody actually wrote like a comic book series about how he also had like the curse of like michael myers in him in like a neighboring town it was like it's like super interesting i'm just like man like people are really like taking this like three sentence idea and turning it into something huge that's like a writing prompt i want to see the uh the freddy versus jason of that next town over guy versus michael that'd be amazing but instead we get michael versus laurie every time every time yeah and (sighs) sometimes it very much disappoints um all right so i kind of have some notes for some specific scenes here but i let's go through it the the pov camera shot i love in the beginning that's just like that's halloween that's that's halloween that's michael myers that's that's what it's known for and uh, a part of me also think was thinking like when people are watching this like they didn't know that that was a little boy they just thought it was somebody watching from afar, watching these two kids inside this house. And that's fucking terrifying to me. And that's why I have cameras on my house. So that never happens. <laughs> Motion detected cameras. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I mean, when, when he walks upstairs, uh, like you get his sister going, Michael. Yep, and, and the uh, um, her boyfriend they, they like go up, <laughs> yeah, they go upstairs, <laughs> and it's like twenty seconds later in real time of Michael go, starting from the bottom of the stairs and walking upstairs, and by the time he gets up there, she's already getting dressed again, <laughs> like they've already done their whole thing she's and like, he's like i gotta get out of here well it's funny because she goes will you call me and then like she can't see him but he's down there he's like yeah whatever i'll call you <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay yeah pump your chest dude you're 20 20 second fucking chump i think he just wanted to get out of there because he heard the uh the kids stumping up the stairs with a knife. He's like, I'm fucking out of here. Yeah, perfect title <clears throat> for that guy. Holy shit. 
Yeah, it's as if he knew what was going on all along, and he had he was in on it. Something to do with it. You saw him wink at Michael as he walked by, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll call you, honey. Yeah, I'll call you, Mikey. Go ahead. <laughs> Mikey, get him. He hands him his mask. Here's my clown mask, <laughs> little fucker. And here's the longest knife from the kitchen. <laughs> Um, but yes, yeah, so, so I'm sure there have been a million theories about why Michael like snapped that night with his sister, and um, a lot of them, from what I've read, have to do with like just him being like just not able to comprehend or like handle the exposure to his sister's sexuality and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just ba- or like the knife being a like phallic symbol that he's penetrating his sister with, that type of thing. Yep. Yeah, no, I've I've heard all those those theories are just like he's always had like the evil in him, and it's finally it, it's been dormant, and it's finally coming out. And I think that's the one thing that's nice is that they don't try to overexplain it. They don't try to give an explanation. I, I agree. And I'm. So glad they don't. And that's why I don't love, like, the point where it gets in sequels where they're, like, it is so, gets to be so overdone with, like, the meta commentary on, yeah, um, uh, well, just talking about, like, the Halloween movies, like, there's so much, like, known (laughs) about Michael at a certain point, or they, so much people think they know, or and the whole town knows about everything that's happened and there's it's this like common knowledge and um yeah they they make it too normal um and there's not a lot of mystery and suspense left to keep you like scared and keep the tension yeah they they try to give away like way too many details they try to like work things out so that they make sense and it's just like no let the audience it's not logical yeah yeah just let the audience do the thinking let let everybody have a different theory so that we can have Mm -hmm. conversations like this and we can be like oh that's actually that could be it and you can just kind of determine it in your own head you don't you don't need a defiant like reasoning behind everything i don't know yeah because it's not logical like things like this don't happen in real life so to try and like set it in a real life setting where people are talking about it on the radio and like um like trying to put reason behind it uh just makes it less even less real than it already is it's even harder to suspend your disbelief that is true um and in that case just lean in lean more into the paranormal side of it and just make it weirder or something yeah, he's always had a sense of being supernatural, mm-hmm. and I don't like it when they try to make him just a man. But I feel like he's more effective when he is supernatural, and I feel like that's yeah. like one thing with his out his his outfit and his mask. It it almost he's like a faceless man. I mean, he's he's will he's William Shatner, but. Uh, because that's the mask they use, but yeah, um, Captain Kirk mask, but like truly, it just feels like there's a hollow shell 
underneath his entire getup, if that makes sense. And it's just the embodiment of evil. Like, I just... Yeah, it's like his superhero costume that dehumanizes himself and makes him the shape. Hey, now that, that you he... say that, now that you say that, that was a question yeah. I had for you. Because I feel like, I feel like I know why, but I just want your thoughts on it. Like, why do you think, like, people are, are drawn to, like, there might actually be, like, a, like, fact or, like, psychological, like, reason and research behind it, but just, like, why are people drawn to, like, like people wearing like masks or people wearing like costumes, whether it be like a superhero or like a villain or like a, a slasher icon like this has, that's like lived on 45 plus years and still effective. Yeah. I think it is just like the man of mystery trope where um, <clears throat> people like to have that um, air of, unexplained about somebody that uh, they can draw their own conclusions about and it could be un- anybody under that mask and um, yeah with superheroes or, like <clears throat> that's the whole thing with uh, J. Jonah Jameson as- asking to get Spider-Man's identity or whatever Yeah, um, <clears throat> like people just love that mystery and, and they want to figure it out <clears throat> Um but I think uh, I've also heard a lot of like illusion or parallels drawn from Jaws to uh, Halloween and Michael Myers. Just like the mask making him like more uh, or less human and the way he walks and hunts being just kind of like an animal um, and very much like a force of nature like jaws yep and having like the the black eyes like a devil's eyes um i think that makes it much more effective than having it be a guy who can be like well he was a kid at some point and grew up into this person and is a human like me um michael in the mask as the shape is like beyond human and he's teleporting around and um, like knows where people are going to be and knows exactly like how he's going to kill them. Um, And it's uh, yeah, beyond our comprehension in a, and it makes it scarier, makes it super scary. Freaks me the hell out, dude. Yeah. I feel like I've had it too, where I don't like it when, uh, there was one time I was trick or treating, and it was like my last year doing it. I must have been like sixth or seventh grade, and I remember like this dad was dressed up as Leatherface and had the whole get up on, and he had like kids with him, and his kids like went up to this house, and then he stood on the sidewalk, and we were on the opposite side, and he just like turned around and like just like stared at us, and like <laughs> didn't say anything. And then he started crossing, like, walking slowly and crossing the street. And, like, at first, like, we were just like, haha, yeah, okay. But then he, like, kept coming. And then I, like, started getting, like, really uneasy. Because I'm like, oh, my God, like, so fucking freaky right now. So, yeah, there's just, like, something. And obviously, like, having the the thought of, like, Leatherface, you know, uh, imprinted in my brain. Just, like, 
yeah that doesn't help either but i just feel like like a mask or a get up just makes it so much more scary like you said but... i think it it like it follows um really was effective at doing the opposite of making like everyday people super scary because this <clears throat> they're doing the same thing as michael myers is like slowly walking towards you but it's like your grandma or something and but um just moving towards you slowly that made normal people scary that's actually funny that i appreciated you, that you bring that up because um so i went to halloween ends with with taylor again like last week or something and uh i was telling him because that day uh i had to park like three or four blocks from my office building and it's not in like the nicest of neighborhoods and i was i was telling him i was like oh dude i like got like stalked by like a michael myers like character but it's more of like a it follows like character because it was just like a regular man but I was like walking past his house and there was like some dude that was like just like hunched over in his backyard and like he must have been like on drugs or like drunk or something and I just like Oh no that's that's Tim. He just likes to hunch. Oh yeah, he's just back there. It's like two it's like four o'clock. He just likes to do that stuff. Um but I like glanced over because I saw him and then he like he like turned and like saw me. And he, like, didn't say anything. He just kind of, like, grunted. And then he, like, started, like, walking, like, <laughs> after me. But not, like, fast. But it was, like, still, like, freaking out. And then I was, like, walking on the sidewalk. And then he got on the sidewalk. He was, still, he was probably, like, 30, 40 feet behind me. But he was, like, Close walking after me. And I was, like, what the fuck does this guy want? So I looked back. And he, like, was, like, still walking towards me. So then I, like, crossed the street. And then he, like, walked into, like, the middle of the street and just, like, stood there and, like, stared at me as I got into my vehicle. And I was, I was like, that was so weird. <laughs> and then I, so I was on a side street, and the way I had to get out is the, the street that he was standing on, I had to, like, drive up, pull into a driveway, turn around, and go down that street. And when I went down that street, it, it was probably, like, 30 seconds later, he was gone. And I haven't even seen him since, and I walk past that house every day. So I'm like, who the fuck was that? <laughs> I think he was an NPC who you walked past, like you like activated him. Yeah, he's like no, he, he had like a quest to give you, but you walked away too fast and he, he had, halfed back home. He had this little icon above his head for me to like <laughs> toggle or some shit, and I was like, nah, I got I got shit to do tonight. I can't do that. Will All you right. collect me forty berries to help me fix my hunch, please? Hello. I'm like, no, go away. I'm fine. I'm good, thank you. No, but yeah, that was that was freaky. Even though it was probably more so, it was probably some tweaker person. Who the fuck knows? But yeah, um, let's talk about that absolutely insane scene where uh, the nurse gets like attacked in the state fleet vehicle. <laughs> Well, first of all, the drive up to the um, to the asylum is like that was one of the scariest parts of the movie for me. Might 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 have been the scariest one. Just imagining like driving down the road, and my headlights illuminating people just like slowly wandering across the road. Yeah, 
I've had nightmares like that for whatever reason. That specific imagery of my headlights illuminating people like mindlessly walking across the road is terrifying. Oh, I agree. It also reminds me of the the movie or the uh, game Outlast. Um, oh yeah, which is very terrifying. The courtyard, but the courtyard where you're walking through there, or what? Yeah, just everything with the um, with your camera, just like seeing people in the dark. Um, but yeah, but that was that was a really good scene. It, it was just funny because that's where we're introduced to Doctor Loomis, and he's that's where he's like, he's just like short with her, you know. Yeah. Like, what are you gonna give him? Kind of like, gonna he give is him an this. asshole. And then she's like, "Geez, he'll barely be able to stand." That's the idea. <laughs> I'm like, damn, okay. Um, but yeah, it was funny because like she fucking. Yeah, her name is, yeah, Marion. So she, like, when they drive up and they see it, she's like, I didn't know, or did you say, I didn't know that they let them wander outside? Or she's like, are they supposed to be wandering outside like this? As it's downpouring in the middle of the fucking night. Why does that, <laughs> yeah, that comes out of your mouth? Oh, this must be a very uh, progressive and, and loose uh, organization. But while they're, yeah, on the road, in the rain, wandering aimlessly like oh that's fun for them and they're uh, yeah outside of the gate and yeah and <laughs> dr loomis is like doing something where he's going up to the keypad or some shit and he's trying I just to love how he describes them uh did you notice that when michael breaks the car window he had the actor had a wrench taped to his hand yeah yeah, I actually I didn't notice it the first time, but um, I watched that like the movies that made us documentary. Oh yeah, um, they mentioned it in there, and then we can't unsee it now. I know it's it's kind of egregious now, um, but yeah, that was uh, that was that was quite an interesting scene, and then I just. <laughs> I just love when she gets out of the vehicle and well, first off, Michael looks like a freaking like chimpanzee when he was like jumping onto the top of the car. Like I didn't like, seeing yeah, he launched like himself. Yeah. It's like the fastest he's ever moved on screen. Yeah. What the fuck was that? That was like crazy, but I thought it was so funny because uh, Loomis like runs over to her and he goes, he's gone. He's gone from here. The evil is gone. <laughs> Just like over the top. The evil is gone. Yeah, imagine like him saying those things like he's death on legs. Um <laughs> and describing him as having devil's eyes and being evil incarnate. Like imagining Loomis's lines like spoken outside of a horror movie is like the funniest thing ever. Oh my like God. he would be he should not have his license, whatever kind of license he has. Oh yeah, as a psychiatrist, like I've been, I've been treating him. He's my patient for fifteen years. And it's like, uh, what, what did he say? He's like, I tried re- rehabilitating him for the first seven. I've spent the last eight trying to lock him up. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what? You're very obsessive. Like you, don't you have other patients? Like you seem very obsessive over this. Like just one person. I doubt. I know. I I love it though. I kind of wish they, um, 
honestly, what would have been great is, um, like in the new trilogy, having like a descendant of Loomis, uh, be like super obsessed with Michael and be the one who gets like infected by the evil or whatever. I would love that. Tommy Doyle, basically. Without getting affected yeah. by the evil, like, I mean, that was top, like evil dies tonight and all that shit. Like I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> evil <laughs> dies for... tonight. That that that's for uh, evil dies tonight, but something lives to or something lives today, but evil dies tonight. Loomis lives today. Yeah, uh, evil dies tonight. That that's for another fucking time. But uh, yeah, I I agree. I think it'd be funny if just like coming across like like a Dr. Loomis in a bar and just like you're up there ordering your drink and he's just like sitting there slumped over and you're just like, how you doing, man? He goes, he's come home. Evil has come to your little town. Don't go out tonight. Lock your doors. Stay inside. (laughs) Like, who the fuck is this guy? (laughs) But, um, yeah, I, I, I thought that was uh that was pretty funny, but um let's 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 kinda jump forward to when we the the walk home from school. Or actually no, let's go to the scene where she sees him outside of the classroom and then we'll do the walk home from school. Um that's probably one of the more iconic scenes from this movie is and they've tried to recreate it four times now. Or three other times now with this one, H2O, the remake, and now the Hollow Green series. So, uh, I, I I love it. I don't like how they tried to recreate it, but um, that that just gives me the heebie-jeebies, dude. Like looking outside and be like, is that guy? Is that guy? Yeah. Is that guy looking at me? Like, is he is he staring at me? <laughs> What's he doing? You know, that's one of the most effective like shots in horror is uh like the profile of somebody sitting there you see the person staring that at them from out from outside of a window or like across the street or something like in hereditary we talked about yep. um <clears throat> but yeah just that who me yeah as, uh, me it's like nice <laughs> exactly how you react no and then uh that's a good point that you bring up hereditary because uh same thing happening and it follows when she's seeing that like old person oh, yeah. walking across like the yeah. yard or whatever towards her when she's in class so that's another callback i was in class yeah that's that i mean yeah that's another take but uh take from halloween but like they do really well with it uh yeah it's it's effective and it it, it, was, it was pretty awesome um and then he's just gone he's just gone really fast too that's the supernatural. Yeah, moment. that's that. Yeah, that is like his little teleportation that he's able to do specifically when people want to look at him. Yeah, but that's another thing where, like, I don't want that to be explained, like how he can scoot out of there so Evil. fast. Like, that's just a great aspect of Michael that he's just like, in three seconds, she's going to look out the window at me. I am going to run away really fast right now. I'm gonna walk super slowly towards her. One, two, three, go. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's awesome. All right, so 
in the past, I didn't love the dialogue for the walk home, but now after watching some of the sequels and some of the absolutely just abysmal dialogue, this actually seems like normal and it like flows. Um, yeah. When it comes to slashers, I think the dialogue is really good in this movie. For sure. For sure. And I just, I just love that, that walk home. And I, and I just realized in this time watching it, how many times Linda says totally. Fuck. Yeah. I was just going <laughs> to, going to bring that up. I do hate Linda a lot. Uh, and Bob, but um, what are your thoughts on Annie? Because I, I, used I think to Annie's like, cool. I used to hate her. I used to think she was a bitch. I used to have been like, oh, she's one of those bitch friends. She's like one of those friends that like, not that like me, like that I've experienced some of those like this. I've had like other girlfriends who've had friends like this where they're just like, they're a bitch. And they're like your high school <laughs> friend, and they just kind of like aren't friends anymore post high school because they're a bitch. I think she's just uh, she's just a ball buster. She likes but, to tease, but and that's she what likes to. Yeah. I, I've changed my tune on it, and now watching it, probably the last two or three times, I'm like, I like her because yeah, she she's tongue in cheek about it. She's not being like, uh-huh. serious. She's very tongue in cheek. Where she's like, I have the line written down here where it's like, uh, uh, oh, I can watch the kids sleep. Uh, no, sleep. I can watch the kids sleep. <laughs> Listen to Bob and Linda screw around or talk to you. Jeez, that's awesome. Those are my three options for tonight. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty like. Yeah, she's busting balls. Hey, you do what you get. <laughs> Meanwhile, Linda's just like simp- a simpering. Uh, yeah, just, just not a fun. She wouldn't be the fun friend. No, she's just. She's ditzy. Just bit. It. I understand, you know, the ditzy blonde. You didn't have to say totally 30 times for me to get it. Like, I, I get it. She's a dick. Uh, yeah, they so overdid that. They totally overdid they that. They totally overdid that. But um, I do like, yeah, their, their banter back and forth. And then uh, try to help, help me understand this line. Because I've talked to Holly about this. I've talked to other people about this line. And they haven't. Like I, I just don't really understand it. When Michael comes around, and Lori says, "I think that guy's following us," and they, and then the the Linda's like, "Is that Devon Graham?" <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. That's an unexplained character. I feel like I, know, I think yeah. that they're implying that they have some buddy Devon, mm-hmm. and uh, who has a similar car to like a like a one station wagon type. Yeah, and like no i don't think so and then uh annie yells hey jerk speed kills and then he like slams on the brake on the brakes he sits there and is like uh geez can't you take a joke and like it's a very tense situation like i feel like that Mm -hmm. actually like happened i'm like oh they're like you can actually tell that they're like freaked out like they're like oh god like that was a good scene what happened but here's here's my question for you what does this mean because I think uh, Linda says, well, that was weird. And then Annie says, I hate a guy with a car and no sense of humor. What does that mean? Because, <laughs> uh, uh, like, I think it's a positive, like, that he has a car. Like, it's a guy with a car. Great. <laughs> but he's got no sense of humor, so I'm not going to date him. 
Hey, you don't have to reach. You can just say it doesn't make any sense. Come on. Man. No, it, make, it makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, I want to date a guy with, guy with yeah. a car, but I'm not going to if he doesn't have a sense of humor. Okay. <laughs> that just seems like <laughs> such a random thing to say. I don't know. I just feel like if I would have said I think that was more important at that time. I don't know. I just feel like if I were to if I were to say something. What, like what that, did Holly say? What, what was her explanation? I like I had to read it to her three times. <laughs> she was like, I don't know. I guess uh, she has a specific type, and I was like, okay. I was like, this isn't like a universal thing. Like I hate a guy with no. I hate a guy with a car and no sense of humor. I relate to her. Yeah. Well, whatever. I. I <laughs> Well, let, I'm gonna let that shit be. I'm gonna let that shit be. Um, I can tell that made you angry. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. A- I'm not angry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just confused by it because I feel like every time I watch it, I like. There have been times where I've like I've had to rewind it. and I was like, okay, I'm trying to like see like, does she smirk at the end? I was like, God, I hate a guy. Is she dead serious right now? Like, okay, all right. So now we lose Linda on the walk home. Bye, Linda. We'll see you later. And then, uh, this is where Lori sees uh, Michael at the end of the bushes. He's like, I think that guy's following us. And this is where Annie, you know, she's 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 tough. You know, she she walks up and she goes, "Hey, jerk!" And he's like, "Oh, he'd like to take you out on a date." She plays a little prank on her. He's not around there. It's another one of those disappearing acts for Michael. And this just so happens to also be Annie's house. So she's like, well, I guess this is my stop. And she said there's some guy behind the bushes. So I never thought about it like this before. But yesterday watching it, I do find it a little bit odd that when she bumps into Sheriff Brackett on the sidewalk, first I found him to be very awkward. And secondly... Why are you wearing your sheriff uniform and just walking around? Or did he park and then he walked over? Like, <laughs> I feel like sheriffs do that. Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of an awkward uh, encounter as well. Like, I feel like, I, I feel he, like, like it was just same... like meeting your, like, yeah, seeing your dad on the job um, out in public when he's like the sheriff. It's probably a little awkward for them. Well, I mean, he's like, she likes he startles her and he goes uh it's halloween i guess everyone's entitled to one good scare and she's like <laughs> that's that is a that's like a weird thing i think okay. is that is that a law in the um in the haddonfield that everyone gets a scare so there's that line in this original one that like always stands out to me and then in halloween 2 there are two lines that stand out to me like that one. The first one is Michael Myers is 21. And the second one is uh, a neighbor says to Dr. Loomis, I've been trick-or-treated to death tonight. And he he, tur- he whips his head around and goes, you don't know what death is. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you haven't seen the second one yet, but like I cannot wait for you because like, dude Loomis turns it up a notch and you have more of those like one-liners that are like absolutely phenomenal so you have to let me know what you think and maybe we can hop on another episode at some point but uh yeah I found that to be kind of like 
just a weird interaction. I I felt I felt like the the one at the hardware store was actually kind of comical. I thought I found it funny, but that one was a little odd. But then she starts walking home. She gets to her place, and then she's she like sees these kids like tr- trick or treating or something, and she's like, "I thought you grew out of superstition." Uh, kiddo or something saying that to herself like smirking to herself oh yeah funny. i don't know what the hell it was also found it odd when she saw michael behind the clothesline in the backyard she just decided that was a good time to take a nap because she was freaking out i don't know yeah. i don't know if i saw something oh like i that. mean if she's tired yeah i mean <clears throat> i think she's just trying to um this is something when you do that you do when you're like, I just need to reset after a rough day. I am fucked up. I got to get out of here. <clears throat> I would love if, like, after all these situations where Michael disappears, like after the the hedge, um, if after the girls walk away, we just like have the camera set on the hedge, and he like just crawls out of the hedge <laughs> after. <laughs> Like a few seconds after they walk away, what like he's like fucking, breathing, breathing heavily. The Homer Simpson fucking <laughs> yeah, meme. He just emerges he's from like, the yeah. from the head. Oh, here I am. He's he always just like just finds a place to to crawl into or or hide on the ceiling or something, and then just has to be like, Phew, glad they didn't see me there. So let's just get to the to the scene in the car with Annie because they're smoking pot. Michael's tailing him. I like that little subtleness of him coming behind um, and tailing them in the state. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten that on my second watch that um, that yeah, he'd hunt, he'd tailed them. Well, first of all, I'd forgotten that there was so much of Michael driving. (sighs) He's very good at it. Yeah, he's a nice, deliberate, uh, careful driver. And, um, yeah, I'd forgotten that they, he tailed them in the car. That was an aspect. Dude, speaking of that, and this is not about the movie, but my wife called me on last Friday and I was watching our kiddo. Or no, she had the kid with her. She fucking scared me, dude. She was like, oh my God, Matthew. I'm like, what? What is going on? And she's like, I'm on the interstate right now, and there's a guy on a motorcycle behind me with a Michael fucking Myers mask on. I'm like, what? No, he's not. She goes, yes. She's like, I'm, I want to take a picture. And I was like, no, just, you're going like 60 on the interstate. I probably don't whip out your phone. You got my, you know, just be safe. But I'm like, I'm like, okay, like, yeah. pay attention to like what he's, like, I wanted, I wanted to see if he like had modified the mask so it's like easier to ride motorcycle with and she goes no i'm like that seems dangerous yeah that does seem dangerous yep he flew by her and i'm like that's crazy so not only that but i don't think i told you about this other part i feel like i live in a simulation like you're not real everything around me is not real this is like my world and everyone else is just like living in it it's my simulation because there's a chance because of what happened there. If I would have been in the, in the car with her, I would have been for sure I'm in a simulation. I'm still kind of on the fence about it. But a year ago, we were in her hometown. And as we were 
coming in. It was summertime. This pickup pulling a fucking boat behind it is passing us. And the guy in the driver's seat is wearing a fucking Jason Voorhees hockey mask. And I was like, what is going on? And Holly was like, that's, that's it. Like you, you're, you're Truman. You're, you're from the That's Truman it. If we folks. see if, if we see if Freddie, I got to kill you. You need to die. Yep. I got to kill you. <laughs> but I asked her, I was like, are there any like crystal lakes nearby? And she's like, actually there, there is. And I was like, well, there's crystal lakes all over the place. What? So I'm like, I'm, I don't even know what to think right now. That's like insane. And I harped on it like the entire weekend. And her family was like, uh-huh, yeah, that's kind of, that's crazy, but it's not that crazy. And I was like, no, you don't realize how fucking crazy that is. Do you understand me? They're like, okay, shaking I, them. Like, I, I, and it was like my first time meeting them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, how crazy this is. Um, no, but I want You're the to, Loomis. Yeah, I'm just like, of the real world. <laughs> no, I just wanted to share. Somebody must have taught them how to drive a boat. Because that's crazy, but I, I I did find it funny that um when she's like my dad when they're smoking the dope and they pull up and um he must be deaf in one ear or something I don't know what's going on with Officer Brackett but yeah he didn't seem too concerned this is where we find out where Michael got his knife and his his mask from from the hardware store mm-hmm. hey he didn't seem he too got concerned. his mask from the hardware store yep. They were selling Halloween costumes. Yep. So they said, uh, he's like, what's going on here? And he goes, ah, somebody broke in, stole, uh, stole some, some, some rope, a couple of knives and a Halloween mask. And then Lori was like, oh my gosh. And she goes, and he was like, nah, just a couple of kids. <laughs> like didn't seem too worried about it. That's equally worrying. If kids have a rope and a knife, yeah, I'm like, uh, what? Like, what are they? What are they going to be up to? But did yeah. Michael ever use the rope? He uses the rope on Bob. He hangs up upside down. Oh yeah, yeah. So he had those. Uh, he had an idea of what he was going to be doing, or at least he wanted. He wanted some options. Yeah, you could say that he kind of yeah he, or hey, maybe he was using the rope to like tie around uh judith myers's headstone to rip it out of the ground oh yeah yeah he could have done that too um i also feel like he's strong enough just to rip up a headstone i agree yeah because either way he would have had to carry it all the way from his vehicle up those stairs onto the bed so oh yeah i forgot he put in the bed yeah so that would have been pretty dope That'd have been crazy, but yeah, he's um, big in he's big into symbolism, that uh, Michael. That's like one of my favorite things about Michael Myers is that he like he decorates his victims. <laughs> like post kill. He's always gotta put them in some type of cool like pose or something. I don't know, I feel like that's that's always been kinda cool. And Friday thirteenth kinda like ripped it off, but uh yeah, in, in the sequels, he's done some pretty like pretty unique things with his uh, with his bodies. So he is. That's how he expresses himself. It's his only way. So uh, yeah, that that that's his art. I also love the fact that he like, especially with the Bob kill, he like tilts his head and like he's like admiring it. Yeah, 
<clears throat> yeah. That's very Seeing interesting. Seeing his handiwork. He's like, oh, look what I look what I just did. It's like, yeah, you're uh, you're fucking psychotic, bro. You're nuts. <laughs> that was super good direction to have him do that because that sure. just like it shows so much by doing so little. Just like because you you go, what's he thinking right now? By from what he just did. Yeah, that's probably easily one of the more. Uh just eerie parts of the film, just the, the 10 seconds of him standing there, hearing him breathing and cocking his head back and forth, almost mm-hmm. like a, almost like a dog. Um, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's always kind of made me think about like, he's admiring his work. Like, what is he thinking about truly? Like, what's he like, what's he doing? You know? So, um, they kind of do some Just stuff like, in, even in the most recent trilogy where you can kind of see he's like very like precise with where he's stabbing and where he's placing them. So it could be something like that where he's like very meticulous with, with how he places the bodies. I don't know. Yeah. It seems to be the case. Like he, I mean, yeah, he like got the rope. He premeditated like having the, um, ghost costume, like, messing with Linda. Um, like, he plans his stuff out, it seems like, a lot of the times. And he has, he walks slowly, so he has time to plan. Yeah. Very much All so. calculated. Well, this is officially where Loomis meets Bracket outside the hardware store, and just by a simple turn of the head, Loomis misses Michael turning on the street behind him. Of course, how convenient. Well, Michael planned it out. He said it in six seconds, Loomis is going to turn to his left and I'm going to make my way past him. He's very good at that. Well, obviously, you know, honestly, he, I'm not surprised. He stood, he stood next to a bush with that state fleet vehicle behind him for three hours before he noticed it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Loomis also is one of the le- less perceptive people in the movie yeah so um i did have a note that and i've said this basically ever since i've i first watched this movie is that the shots from the backseat of annie's car that those are probably some of the best shots i've ever seen in a movie they're beautiful i love them so much you're getting yeah so you're getting I was just going to say, you're getting that nice glisten and and coloration from the sunset. And the camera at times is featuring both of them. But what I like the most is that when the camera is on, is on Lori, but Annie's speaking, you're not seeing Annie speak. You're not seeing her body language. You're only watching Lori's reaction. When they're talking about Ben Tramer or how she before they, she, she revealed Ben Trainer, but said like, you need a boyfriend, you need this, you need that, or whatever. You need to go to the dance tomorrow night. And I just, I don't know, I just, I loved it. It, I, it, it just, I don't know. It almost felt like it was a perfect night for them to do it. Just to, like, it, that's just kind of how it ended up working out. Yeah. And you talk about camera work, like that's one of the parts of the movie that I think makes this um makes it so good is because they do those like 
I mean, that that whole shot in the car and seeing um, Lori's reactions rather than, like, seeing both of them talking to each other. But then using, like, wide-angle shots, like, still um, wide-angle shots that's, like, of the group walking down the streets. Then you're looking at, like, every uh, every bush and corner looking for Michael. Um, and they do the same thing in the house at the end with Lori being uh, chased. You're seeing like these wide shots of her walking through the hallways, and then you're looking at every doorway and and waiting for him to pop out of a closet or something. Um, and I feel like horror movies now, <clears throat> there's so much like close up to the face, or there's. Um, yeah, they don't, they don't just let the um, environment uh, create suspense as much as it did. And I thought that was super effective at creating suspense. Just, you don't, you know he's around somewhere, but you don't know where he's going to come from. Kind of like Jaws, where you just have the whole ocean where yeah. it could be coming from. <clears throat> uh, Dean Cundy is... Uh the cinematographer and he's well known for this film obviously and some of his other work but he just does an amazing job um amazing, creating yeah. those creating those shots um let's first off let's talk about um the two kids that are babysitting Lindsay wallace and tommy doyle any thoughts on them Tommy is a paranoid little fucker, isn't he? Yeah, he seems like a normal kid to me He's for the most kid. part. Um, I like that they were watching the thing. <clears throat> so I think Michael also has a lot of aspects similar to just the thing as an entity. Um, yeah. Just like that unknown and mysterious aspect, but yeah, Tommy was, uh, he was an annoying little normal kid. Um, Lindsay, I, I love the scene where um, Annie is, like, telling Lindsay to go shut up the dog. Oh, yeah. And Lindsay's just also just lost in, a, in the TV. Um, Michael also, in this movie has like a vendetta against the dogs of Haddonfield. He eats one and then he strangles one. Yeah, I wants to deal with that. I don't know. Um, yeah, they just like threw that in where like, oh, dead dog, you must, Michael must have eaten this. And then the sheriff goes, must have been a skunk. What are you fucking talking about? A skunk and mall? Yeah, those dog? are the two options. <laughs> Either <laughs> Michael a human ate this dog or a skunk dragged this dog up here and ate it. He does not seem fit to be a sheriff. Like, maybe for a small <laughs> town like that, but he wasn't. Well, he doesn't work for the DNR, that's for sure. Well, just anything. He's just such an idiot. I just, like, like looking back now and, you know, no wonder he ended up being a fucking hospital security guard until he was 85. How big is Haddon be a, like, a mid-sized city? Okay. So, I believe the original Haddonfield is supposed to be depicted as, like, uh, I'm going to throw a town out there for you. 
I would say like a maybe slightly bigger than like a Barnesville. Okay. How many people is Barnesville again? Mm, three three thousand. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. So I I I believe that's that's, that's how they wanted that's how they originally depicted Haddonfield being like very very small town Midwest America like very very small town mm. but within an hour hour and a half of like a bigger city like Chicago or something. Okay. Yeah. But in in the sequels in the future sequels, um, <clears throat> especially in the most recent trilogy. They make Haddonfield out to be like a, like a like a like a Plano, Texas. Yeah, it seems <laughs> like a bigger town. You know, like, 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 yeah, a lot bigger. Like, very, very much like us. Yeah, it's everybody knows everybody and mm-hmm. knows everybody's backstories. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I guess for me, I, I like to think of Haddonfield as. Anywhere from three to five thousand people, just small town in the Midwest, and uh, that's kind of what I had in my head. Yeah, and Sheriff Brackett, he's in over his head, man. He doesn't. He, I don't know. He he he's been sheriff for too long and hasn't seen enough action. He wasn't ready for it. Well, I think that's like that's a good way to have it be because it's like it's supposed to be an idyllic. Um, kind of community where like they don't see this shit and um like evil coming to this community he wouldn't be ready for that and one thing in like uh not that i want to ruin things for the like rob zombie uh remakes but um like one thing that the sheriff bracket says in that one to dr loomis is like he doesn't want him to come in here and be like a fear monger. He's like, he's like, this town's been quiet for 15 years and that's the way we want to keep it. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, he's like, I don't need you in here. Like stirring up a, you know, a crazy storm of, uh, you know, madness and people being afraid and locking their doors. And then me having to deal with that shit storm. I don't want people locking their doors. Yeah. Well, hey, back then they didn't. They didn't lock their doors. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, it was, wasn't really, didn't really become a norm until like the 80s where people actually got like lock pads and started, and deadbolts and started locking their doors. It's a weird concept. After every, ta- after every town started getting Michael Myers. Yeah, after like the likes of Ted Bundy and, and, and the Night Stalker, people were like, maybe we should like lock our windows and doors at night. Like, yeah, probably. That'd be a, a good idea. Um, no, but, uh, so I actually kind of have a a cool like background uh, information for when he killed that dog, the German Shepherd. So if you watch it, the dog's almost its muscles are like loosening, right, and it's like kind of drooping down its its body. Mm-hmm. So the way they shot that is they shot it in reverse. So the Michael Myers actor was calling the dog up to him. So the dog jumped up on top of him and he held on to the dog and it hit, its legs dropped or whatever. And they just shot it in, in slow-mo reverse. Interesting. That's, that's a cool way to do it. Yeah. So they like, didn't actually strangle the dog. No, they actually, no, no animal. Like an I am, like an I am legend when Will Smith had to actually strangle that German shepherd. Okay. Okay. Too far. 
All right, that's a little too far. That was one of the saddest wasn't of my childhood. I'm like, come on, you don't have to. Yeah, that was a bad one. That was a rough one. Um, but yeah, that was uh, I, I and like I said, I just fucking love Loomis when he's up there and the whatever the gutter falls down, breaks the window, he pulls out his gun, and he goes, "I have a permit for it. I can show you the papers." <laughs> Yeah, they threw in a decent amount of like, uh, like gallows humor in this movie. I appreciated, like Loomis especially, just kind of made me chuckle. But uh, Annie had some funny moments. Well, okay, so this is, and this one thing that like Holly and I laugh about all the time whenever we watch Halloween is the fact that. She said she spills she spills butter on herself and she gets like butt ass naked. Like she takes every <laughs> article of clothing off. Yeah. Like as if it's like acid. Like it's gonna burn through her clothes and off her skin. <laughs> While she's like <laughs> babysitting a child. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, uh she's like, Oh god, oh no and I'm like, What is going on right now? It burns. And then she had to go and fucking put it in a the washing that was also weird. I haven't seen anything like that before. There's like a out 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 outdoor. Shooting. Yeah, that was an interesting setup they had with their home, How and that was also just that? like, I know, yeah, that would suck. I'd never wash my clothes during the winter. Yeah, I'd just be stinky. I'd be stinky. That was a great uh, scene to build more suspense because, like, oh yeah. I mean, she heard, like, something get knocked over outside the the washer shed. And uh, she was just like, what was that? Uh, no, that must, must, must have been the wind. Very dismissive. Very much so. <clears throat> and also, you got to remember, when that plant got knocked over, that was, like, right after she had, like, taken everything off. And she just found that like big T-shirt to put on. Yeah, and that yeah. happened. So it was like, was Michael getting a little, a little excited? Then? I think Michael's getting angry. <laughs> and then she gets <laughs> stuck, and you're like, well, okay, now he, he's gonna, uh, now he's gonna pounce once she's just like stuck in the window or whatever. Um, they threw in a lot of good like fake outs. Uh, where do you think she's gonna get got? Then uh, yeah, Lindsay finds her. Yeah, they definitely like. That's the thing that I, I like find very interesting about this movie is that there is a lot, and I mean a lot. If you look at like the, the the entirety of the runtime, like there is a lot of time focused on the stock and kill of Annie. There is, yeah. She, I'd be interesting to see, but I feel like she has the longest. Uh, um. I mean, she does have the longest stock and kill because Laurie doesn't get killed. But yeah, I would. Um, I would say so. Like, there's just a lot of buildup in this movie. Like, so much of it is um, the tension building, and I feel like the newer, um, the newer Halloweens. I have no like. There's no increase in tension to me. Um, like Michael starts to come back or something, but I don't feel more suspense with it. They do such a better job. That's what they've been here. 
yeah, b building like environmental suspense and um, having different ways other than just like stating like Michael is coming back, he's coming back, evil is coming back to Haddonfield, mm -hmm. evil is here. <clears throat> like having Lori just like telling everybody about that. That's not how you build suspense. Like you need actual scenes showing him being back and uh yeah, and stalking which uh they were lacking well, anyway yeah well that's uh, why i'll say like david gordon green and i've said this to you before i would like i'm completely fine that this is the last halloween movie that he's gonna make because i don't think he can shoot a suspense film to save or a suspense scene to save his life no he's he and when he has maybe out of three movies, one or two that stand one or maybe three that stand out, and that's one per film. That's not good. It's supposed to be a suspense slasher. Like like that's the whole point of it. Like I can think of like the closet scene in the first one, um with the babysitter, that was pretty suspenseful, and then um I found the scene later on where he, he's like hiding behind the mannequin uh, before he pounces on her. And then mm -hmm. uh, I have a hard time even think of any more off the top of my head, but, but uh, yeah, otherwise he's just like the Terminator going through, going through houses and yep. like annihilating people. <clears throat> and, and that's one um, thing that they, that they said is that like a lot of critics and a lot of like other podcasters that I've listened to is that, Basically, by the fourth and fifth movie of this franchise, it's like rinse and repeat. He just becomes Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's a Terminator. He's a T T one thousand or whatever he is, T eight hundred or whatever the fuck he is. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's not the aspect that should be like focused on, and yeah, just the fact that like the first Halloween is so good, being like quote-unquote like cleaner with its kills um not like just over the top people get people getting their necks snapped and mangled um like the fact that it still like holds up as the best one that should tell you something that it's the it's the build-up to it rather than the bloody payoff that yeah. that people and there's barely any blood people in this want. Film. there's barely any yeah. blood um you know with that said I don't know if you're like very familiar with a lot of John Carpenter's work, but I kind of wanted to talk about him in general, just because like a part of me has been going back and forth for the past, like probably three or four years, just thinking about this, especially reading some of those books, listening to other podcasts and getting takes from other people. Um, I would, the best way to kind of like summarize his career is in like one sentence is, he's had flashes of brilliance. I think that's the best way to put it because he has Halloween. He has Christine and he has the thing and they live. And those are all like great movies, but he has some very, very major duds that he's made. Um, just critically and performing very poorly box office wise. Um, not not to say that every time you make a film it's going to be a home run or it's going to be um, well-liked, but uh, 
you do kind of see with like some of those like I don't know if you think about like modern day like think about like Quentin Tarantino like I feel like and this is my own personal opinion and I guess critically too like he's put out a lot of above average films Christopher Nolan a lot of above average films um Ari Aster a lot of above average films um you know you have a lot of these directors and writers that are consist are very consistent with what they're putting out and I've kind of felt like John's kind of his entire career has been all over the place with what he's produced and yeah a part of me feels like because John started getting he was a huge like one of the biggest Hollywood directors in the 80s and 90s so he was getting these ginormous budgets like back then 15 million dollars was like but like a 40 million dollar budget nowadays like it's just like uh, just an astronomical amount and when he was given that amount of money uh you know he kind of went crazy with it i think that this film having three or four hundred thousand dollar budget which is basically a shoestring budget i think that fosters creativity and i think that it forces you to think outside the box and it forces you mm-hmm. to really tap into those creative juices. And most of the time you're only going to get one or two shots for the scene that you need. So you have to be on point. You, you have to execute. And that's why I come to appreciate this film so much. So I don't, like I said, I don't know. And this is a super long rounded question, but um, I don't know how familiar you are with his work. But my question for you is like, do you feel like John Carpenter more so got lucky and was a flash of brilliance? Or do you think that he truly is like a master of horror? I think he's a master of certain things from what I've seen, like special effects and um, scores. Yeah, definitely. He's very consistent with. I think with, like, the small budget he had with Halloween, like, it forced things also to be kind of simple, and Mm -hmm. I think that made it really good. Um, Just the fact that you had, you didn't have, like, these over-the-top special effects with with gore or over-the-top, like, stuff with the cinematography just the simple shots of uh groups walking down the sidewalk or um just still cams on a on a room like that's all it needed and that that made it better than it would have been if there was like um yeah going overboard with that stuff and it, it just yeah just made it feel like you were more a part of this um more part of the scene I, like in the room with the person watching them experience this. I agree. And I think one thing that I kind of live by just working in like, a, like in a creative field and a creative career is I found that less is more. And, mm-hmm. and this is seriously, this echoes that it's less is more like you. We've already said that you don't have to explain things. You don't have to be ripping someone's guts out. You don't have to snap their necks. You don't have to, you know, do all these over the top things. Like you can just be simple and you can just show the stock and build up to the kill. Less is truly more in this instance. 
Yeah, I think one of the best examples of that um, from one of my, my my favorite movies is um, Mad Max Fury Road, <clears throat> which is a like kind of a reboot of a story. Um, but the way they do storytelling through uh, just the environment and um, I mean, they have a main character who says like three things during the movie. That's the new one or um, the newer one. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I love that one. That was good. <clears throat> it's, yeah, it's it's one of my favorite movies. But yeah, I think that just shows uh, you don't need like people giving massive expo- exposition, like in the new Halloween's, or um, you don't need people telling you how to feel about stuff or telling you over and over again that evil is infecting the town. <laughs> Yeah, people will come to that conclusion if you show it well enough. Yeah, show don't tell and less is more. I think are the two best things that came came from uh, the first movie. Yeah, and this amazing score and theme song that mm-hmm. freaks the shit out of me to this day, and that they're still using. And that I, I'm a weirdo. I love listening to the soundtracks from these old I mean not even not just like Halloween but like other 80s films I just felt like the soundtracks were so amazing back then I just felt, I'm a, yeah I love synth so much I know yeah I, just, I I love actually like just driving around in my car and like playing like the synths like like really loud and just like yep like yeah that's that's like, I do that where it like it like rumbles from like one side of one side of the other and like the speakers and he actually act has like his own albums that he's put out in the past like 20 years um that i need to check those out yeah i've downloaded um a couple of those albums and there are a few songs where like i love it because and this might sound nerdy but like there's this one that i just i think it's he calls them like lost lost tapes or something i can't remember it's something oh lost keys is what they're called um lost keys part one and two and um he there there are two songs one called one called night and one called i can't i can't remember the other one's called but the one called night is like i feel like it was specifically made for like a driving around scene so that's why like i love like driving around at night so that's why i love like listening to it and like driving around because i'm like i feel like i'm in a movie right now (laughs) i know that that's the same exact mindset i have like i have a playlist specifically for driving at night that i i love put on every now and then and i have a playlist for just like this season like i call it october and i got the halloween theme on there i have um yeah just movies that are just songs that give me the vibe of of autumn and like um just that spooky also whimsical vibe that this time of the year has i'm right there with you totally agree that's awesome yeah that's that's super cool um let's kind of hit the home run uh stretch here so uh one of my favorite scenes, um, and we're going back to Loomis standing behind a bush for three hours, is when Lonnie Elam and his two buddies are, he's daring Lonnie to go up and 
go inside oh, the right. Myers house or whatever. And I just love that. Like, this Loomis is was amazing. like, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. He's like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that they put that in the movie. Yeah, it was but, amazing. Um, that Loomis is just like fucking with these kids. Well, dude, that like that's that's the way that he gets Lonnie to leave. Like, if he actually shows himself, like you guys shouldn't, you kids shouldn't be here. Like the kids are gonna blow his cover or something. Well, you know, so he, he has to he whisper bored. to them from the bushes. It's been three hours. Been three hours. Yeah, he's probably probably just like, I don't know if Michael's coming, so I gotta do something to pass the time. So, and then here's my I forget what happened if this happened before or after, but when he sees the vehicle, he goes and he inspects it. Is that when Sheriff Brackett like drives by and he goes, I've been driving around, I haven't seen anything, and then he just goes, He's here. Does he keep driving? (laughs) Keep driving. Evil has come to our little town. Yeah, I think that literally they do have that timing of... It is kind of a weird, uh, maybe lacking subplot that they might not have known. Like, they're like, we have to have Loomis kind of, like, stay out of the action long enough for, like, the girls to get terrorized. Um, So we're just going to have him in this bush for a while. Uh, but yeah, then they were just like, okay, now he sees the car. Now the sheriff drives up and they head out. Yeah. I, um, yeah, that was well, well-timed, I guess, but let's, let's talk about Linda's death here because when, uh, Michael puts on like the sheet with, Bob's sunglasses, which is just like a funny touch. And he walks up there and he's standing in the doorway. And it, I, I just love how Linda is like, like she thinks it's Bob, obviously. I, I don't think at any point she doesn't think it's Bob, but I do like how uncomfortable she gets after mm-hmm. he's like, because anyone would get like that. Like, okay, like what's going on with you? Like, stop. Like, that's weird. You know, like I like her. She's like, okay, all right, that's funny. Where's my beer? Where's my beer at? And then... No, yeah, that's that's that was a very well uh, scripted part. I, I think they they played that well, where she didn't like freak out, freak out, but I, I like get like thoroughly annoyed, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Kind of remind me in the first or um, in the most recent Halloween movie where uh, Corey <clears throat> gets like extremely pissed that, that the kid locked him in the like attic room. Oh yeah. And yeah. I was like, that seems like way over the top anger for, for Yeah, he's like he's like, haha, okay. Alright, real funny. <laughs> Let me out of here. He to out. kick the door down. Well I, I thought that like later on in the movie they were gonna explain that like something happened to him in the dark or like there's like yeah, why there. he's so afraid? Like I thought for sure that had something to do with it. That um, that he had some backstory with like being locked in attics or something. But nope, he was just a he was just a scared little boy. But anyway, to, yes, to I, I think uh, Linda's reaction was good. Yeah, and then that was the bloodiest kill. I feel like right. 
Well, he just strangled her. It was bloodless. Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. He took the phone cord, wrapped it around her neck, and... That's right. She was calling Lori. Yeah, and she's like, are you guys calling me and just making noises while you're screwing around? <laughs> Michael uh, is causing so many people to think they're being pranked. So, so right after she dies, and then Lori, you can tell Lori's actually, like, concerned. I love the subtleness of Michael, like, holding the phone up and, like, mm-hmm. listening. I... I love how his breathing, his breathing, and then I love how she looks out the window and Michael flicks the lights on and off twice. Oh, I didn't. I don't think I ever saw that. What? Are you serious? I, re- ah, I realized shit. that. Yeah. I wish you would have, because I wanted to talk like go more in depth about it because I don't. I didn't know if like that was like a like a sign that like her and Annie like agreed on like hey when I do this like that means this. Or, wow. Yeah. So I might over overheard. Yeah. So I didn't know if like if her seeing that if it was just like oh that's suspicious like I'm gonna go over there or if like that was like some type of like nonverbal cue to like I'm fine. Yeah. Or like yeah I'm fine, but I still want to check up on you guys or something. So um, it did prompt her to go over there. And Michael definitely shows like like cunning. Like, he definitely is, like, a clever guy. Um, yeah. He's not He's not just, like, a mindless, <clears throat> mindless killer. And, I mean... Which it, makes him scarier. Exactly. Yeah, he, he, he has a strategy behind everything he's doing because, like, in that amount of time, while she was coming over there, he, he grabbed Bob from downstairs and hung him up behind the yeah. doorway he put yeah he know, made like a home alone style booby trap of corpses for Lori to find yeah <laughs> well and we also i also forgot to mention when uh tommy is trying to scare Lindsay, and he sees michael carrying uh annie's dead body into the front door that was fucking mm-hmm. creepy that was really that was, yeah. yeah that was uh <clears throat> That was really something. Um, but yeah, this the, basically the last stretch here of like the chase with like Lori is like, it's just, it's so creepy. Like, I just like her walking over, uh, she couldn't get in through the front door. She, or she rings the doorbell, couldn't get in through the front door. She goes in through the back. And you, did you notice like the subtleness of like, he put that rake up to block the the door mm-hmm. uh, when she tried to get out later. But I love that it's just silent. The bodies are gone. Just looking around. She goes, ah, you know, around the corner. And she's like, all right, guys, isn't it funny? I love how she says, you you guys are going to pay for this or whatever she said. Like, uh, or you guys are going to be real sorry for playing this joke. I mean, like, yeah, what the fuck are you going to do? Like, nothing. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then she heads upstairs, and, you know, it's almost like she immediately, when she walks... Lori was going to kill them if Michael hadn't... Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She She's the real psychopath. Um, <laughs> but when she walks into the bedroom, and she immediately sees Annie laying there with the Judith Myers headstone, she backs up into the doorway, Bob's body swings down, and then the little cabinet thing <laughs> it was kind of funny because linda's eyes were like cross-eyed when she was like laying in there 
Um, it was a little satirical, I guess. But, you know, <laughs> she, she's kind of, like, beside herself, which is, like, rightfully so. Yeah. And this is, like, I don't even know how they did this so well, but when she's leaning, like, leaning up against, like, the wall and you have that just black abyss doorway and slowly Michael's mask fades in. Well, that's, like, the scene, I feel like, in the movie that is, like, the most famous of him emerging from that shadow. And it's so, so well done. Oh, it's just, it just fucking freaks the shit out of me, dude. I just hate it because I'm down here in my basements where I watch my movies and I yeah. have my little doorway over there and I'm like, you know, the lights are off. I'm just like, I'm just waiting for that fucker to start. I mean, that's like everybody's me. biggest fear when they're like just sitting in a room and there's a doorway to the room and the doorway is completely black. Like you just imagine everything that could be in that blackness. And like this movie just realizes that fear. Yeah, that it's just absolutely freaky. And then, do you think that he purposely missed, just like blatant, like just blatantly missed stabbing her in the back or the neck or whatever, and got her in the arm to to continue his game? That's a good question. He did seem to become less effective when he was fighting against Lori. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Uh, Lori was also a badass throughout this entire, throughout the entire fight with Michael. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> while still just making like super cliche decisions to like leave the knife next to him when he was down. Um, uh, but <clears throat> yeah, I'm not sure if he was like either kind of shaken or like n- nervous almost because like this was his ultimate. Um, He's been waiting for this tar- target. Yeah, like he was like so excited to to finally get to this point. Um, that's that's interesting. I, I I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, and then also when she finally. I, I just, I love too when she flips over the stairs and she falls and it's like, don't, 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 don't. He like, he like turns and he like shows his body the top of the stairs and he starts coming down. <laughs> like, just like, God. like, that's just like perfect music. Like they, they seriously couldn't have made the, the music any like better. Like the, I know, it's perfect. It's, it's so perfect. And then she gets out. It looks like he's like right there about to get her. And I've heard questions be posed like where did michael go did he just like hide or like what did he do while she like ran out and she like was going to the neighbor's place like was like what was going on it seemed like he was like right behind her so here's my thing i think that because the neighbor's lights were on they were awake and they just didn't help when she was banging on the door they turned on the porch light and they just like it's that bystander effect right like oh somebody else will We'll take care of that, you know. What I yeah, mean? I think that was also like a little suburbia commentary. Yep. Um, my thoughts are Michael might have just kind of faded into the bushes or stayed in the house, not like not knowing if like she was going to get let in or if somebody because oh, yeah, he definitely doesn't seem like. especially in this first film he definitely doesn't seem like the type that wants to like 
spring out and take on two at a time. You know, he's very much an individual stalker, um, isolating yep. somebody. So um, a part of me feels like that happened. And then she runs across the street and then, then he comes out and he's, he's coming after her. And yeah. Then... I think he was killing another dog off screen. I heard the... and... <laughs> Quick had to eat it. Recuperate some strength. So to go after her again. Maybe he, he has just like a, a satchel full of lap dogs that he quick oh. chews on for energy. He has, he has a satchel full of like uh, German shepherd ears. <laughs> he just pulls out and eats like beef jerky. <laughs> now we're expanding too much on his lore. We we can't we have to leave that mystery yeah. of what's in his satchel. And and now the fans are gonna be angry at us for 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 saying that. Like now I can't watch it the same anymore. <laughs> Knowing he's running around with a satchel with fucking German shepherd ears eating him. Every time he gets shot by a bullet and uh we see him laying there on his back. He's like quick eating a bunch of German shepherd ears and then just like sits straight up because he's got his energy back. Like he's like uh, he's like saying to like himself, Popeye. He's like, God, I'm getting so sick of these. I need some cocker spaniel ones next. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go next town over for those. And I go to Russellville. Oh wait, my nemesis <laughs> is there. <laughs> oh yeah. That, that was his thing. He he ate cocker yeah. spaniel ears. Like, oh yeah, that, that that's that guy's town. I can't impede on his territory. <laughs> Um, but yeah, basically what happens in, in the house where he, Lori stabs him in the neck with a knitting needle, which like definitely would put a person down, but like, I don't think you're going to kill somebody that way. Like, I mean, unless you got him like oh. he's an artery, <clears throat> there wasn't any blood though. I'd be highly suspicious. I'd be like, I stabbed you in the neck when you fell over. Like, I don't see any blood. You know, like you're probably yeah, I'd definitely I definitely add some stomps to the head or some more stabs to the neck. Yeah. I don't know, maybe it's just like yeah, she was just like, oh, I'm done and then uh I'm so done with this. I, I love I, I do actually like when she runs upstairs the second time where he gets up and she opens up like those like French doors outside to make it look like she ran out on the balcony and, oh, yeah, yeah. and then she goes into the closet and then he's in there and he's like it doesn't fool him he's trying to break through those that's probably that's one of the best scenes in this like there's so many iconic scenes in this film yeah and then i and then i love i love that it stays candid too like throughout the entire rest of the franchise that he literally has like one working eye like only like like the fact that she takes that um the hell are those things called hanger clothes hanger yep and like jabs him in the eye and that stays candid for like the rest of the franchise like that's pretty cool that that like there's at least one thing that's staying like consistent yeah i, um, I do like that yeah and then uh he falls over again she thinks he's dead for some reason the kids end up leaving that's how loomis gets um alerted that you know hey there's some trouble over here and I just love like it's also like just another iconic move from Michael Myers where he's laying on his back flat and he just like has those strong lower core muscles and just <laughs> yeah, just oh. sits from a plank position straight up. I yeah. love that's like the most I like that is such a great decision that they made to not have him like 
push himself up with his arms or anything. Like he just sits straight up. That is very Terminator. I um, I love just the matchup between him and Laurie because it's not like usual horror movie where you have the girl or whatever just like screaming and running blindly and just hiding um, Texas Chainsaw without any thought of what they're going to do. Well, that was a, that was a tough situation for her. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't be a dick. Be fair. Be fair. <laughs> Uh, but Lori's like, yeah, thinking ahead, like pu- pulling open the the windows to show that she's like gone away and like she's tough and like fighting back and stuff. Um, <clears throat> with the exception of like leaving the knife for him, but like she, uh, yeah, she's like a tough, resourceful, pretty smart person herself. Uh, and Michael's. Yeah, it's like a good match of wits between them. And Doc, strength. Dr. Loomis walks in, and I like the subtleness of her getting strangled, and she ends up taking his mask off. And He does not like that. He does not like that one bit. He actually ends up yeah. letting go to put the mask back on, and Dr. Loomis shoots him six times. 21 years old. Michael Myers is 21. Shoots him six times. He falls. Shoots him so much that he shoots He shoots him in a path all the way from the hallway upstairs <laughs> yeah. into a bedroom onto the balcony, off the balcony. That's pretty impressive. I would have loved it if they just did like a, like a naked gun type scene where Loomis is shooting him like a hundred times like through the house, like up the stairs. Michael's backing up up the stairs as Loomis shoots him. Like they turn the corner, he's still shooting him across the corner, like turns him into another room, keeps shooting him. Yeah, it takes out like a second gun. He shoots him in the stomach, he goes like this, he shoots him in the back, he goes like that. Like <laughs> contorting his body, moving it wherever he wants it to Like go. starts shooting him up into the air, like levitating him. Shoots him like yeah up into the air through like the floorboard so he lands upstairs, just like yeah absolute madness. They could they could do something with that. Um, too bad our uh, was it Leslie Nielsen or yeah yeah he's yeah, no longer Nielsen. with us. But um, yeah, and then the end of the movie is she goes doesn't she say what's the boogeyman? She doesn't even say was that the boogeyman. She goes what's the boogeyman? Yeah. I'm like, okay. Interesting line. <laughs> and then he goes, Well, he's human. He's a human. Just like us. As a matter of fact, I believe that was. And then they look. What's what's the boogeyman? Uh, what? <laughs> I probably would have said, what? I guess we'll never know. <laughs> Dr. Loomis checks over the balcony, and Michael Myers is gone. Laurie Strode starts crying. We start getting those still shot scenes cutting to each of the night with the overlay of Michael's breathing. And then we cut to the credits. Great ending. Loved it. And then there was, that was the end of the franchise right there. And it was perfect. That's honestly, that's how it could have been. That's, I would have been completely fine with it. Just a, the night he came home, just, yeah. Five hours of five, six hours of just complete and utter craziness and over. It's over and done with now. 
Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I I do like that they just because um, I feel like in Friday the Thirteenth, which I just watched, they added on like five more minutes of scenes after what should have been the end. Um, but Halloween, the original, like <clears throat> perfect, going from like the climax to like him being gone and that's like revelation um to lori like having some like release of emotion and the, like that question and that to end like that was that was a great sequence way to do it what what would you rate it at 10 stars 10 jack-o-lanterns I'd give it, uh, so I feel like I have to do it just relative to other horror movies, and I'd, I'd give it, I'd give it nine jack-o'-lanterns, nine jacks. That's very, very, that's very, very good. That's very highly of you. Um, I got to give it 10. Uh, I just, I mean, I can see its flaws, but I think that you can give it some grace with the shoestring budget and everything else that you have to consider. But I just feel like it's probably the best, one of the best, if not the best horror films ever made. I definitely agree. So, and there's a reason why I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> there's a reason why there's a huge cult following. There's a reason why these films continue to make just stupid amount of money or a stupid amount of money. It's just people love the shape. People love the story. People love to be scared by this. And it's an effective story. It's an effective character that's continuing to work. And I'm excited to see what they'll do in the future because Halloween might have ended, but it's not dead. That makes I think sense. you're right. I think you're right. I hope they get <clears throat> somebody who's... Uh... I Yeah, I would be fine. Like, I'd love for somebody to totally take it in a new direction in the future. In the future. Um, as long as they stay, like, consistent with their vision. I feel like that's the only way that the this trilogy... Or that's the main way this trilogy fell short was just inconsistency in like messaging or like what where they wanted to go with it um yeah uh, i'm i'm excited just to watch the rest of the sequel or like some of the some of the sequels um i'm excited for I you to watch them i i seriously i'm seriously i'm honestly more excited for you to watch the sequels than i was you know to to like obviously i knew I was excited. I was like super excited to talk about this with you, but like I just feel like the sequels offer a lot more lore to explore. I would mm. say so. I'm excited to hear your takes on on that. There are definitely um, some sequels that I love and some that I despise, um, but I still watch them because this is one of my favorite horror franchises. But. Uh, you're gonna find you're gonna find i'm I'm interested to see there, there's a couple of them that I think that you actually might 
like that I don't enjoy. And when you watch them and I ask you, and if that's the case, then I'll explain why. But um, I've just found that in the Halloween community, there are a lot of people that have like the, the one, like a weird sequel that's like their favorite or even only mm-hmm. original sometimes. You know, it's 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 just weird. And I think a lot of it has to do with like the timing of when they watched it. But um, boy, you're about to go on a ride because you're about you got one like, films to watch. Boy. It's gonna be crazy. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for you. I would say, I would say Friday Thirteenth, the franchise or the series in general, those are a little bit more fun to watch because they're faster paced, campy, and just a 90 minute thrill fest and i've always kind of looked at halloween as more of like a i don't want to say it's like a sophisticated type of horror film but i feel like they're they try to have a more serious tone yeah i do like that halloween takes itself seriously i did enjoy the uh um the flair and uh like a wittiness of um or uh, Nightmare on Elm Street that was instantly in my top 10 movies or horror movies as well I really like that um, so I, like, I, I definitely do like the um, the lighter uh, slashers as well like Scream as well um, but I do like a good just doer dreary serious slash or like a lot of a lot of halloween has been for sure yeah but yeah i'm interested to see like to discuss the sequels with you because like we don't have the exact same um opinions on the the newest trilogy <clears throat> i'm i'm actually really like i i, I want to do this like sequentially with you just because a lot of them are like like i guess they're kind of set up that way too um but when we eventually get to that point I mean, it gives us a lot of content to work through, too. Yeah. But, like, I am, like, actually, like, really, really looking forward to going through the Hologreen trilogy with you because you have some really good good and valid points that I agree with, but I I don't know. I, you probably Something think, about them. You think I'm insane because I found <laughs> Halloween Ends to be better on my second viewing, and I don't know. I am insane. I don't know why or how I did, but I, 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 I don't think it's a masterpiece by any means. But it's, uh, yeah, we'll save that for. A we'll save that for that cast. Yeah, well, yeah, that'll be, that'll be a good one. But we got a lot of shit to explore, dude. Like you. you we're just talking about the big dogs here. We're talking about Halloween. We're talking about Friday Thirteenth. We're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street and the Scream series. We're not even considering some of these like one-off and you know other films that we can kind of dip our toes in. So uh, we got a lot of shit to discuss, and I have a lot of fun discussing them with you because I feel like at times we do have a lot of the same opinions and views, and it's kind of nice to to go on tangents and 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 talk about uh, some of that stuff. But it's also kind of cool when we have you know, our differences and we're able to kind of explain our takes. So I always appreciate stuff like that. Me too, man. <coughs> Excuse me. But, I uh, usually have been muting that. No. No, dude. This is raw. I'm, I'm sorry. I ruined this. I ruined this thing. It's okay. You're, you're Get screwed. me off here. Am, am I frozen right now? No. Am I frozen? 
Yeah, you bit, you're like you're frozen in like a praying position. It looks like <laughs> <laughs> for me. I don't. Uh, know I was praying. I, pr- I was praying you wouldn't see that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. I just want to say, everybody listening, uh, thank you so much for listening to the film room here. That this is going to conclude our uh, Halloween original 1978 episode. Had a ton of fun talking about this with uh, Keller. Originally, I was actually going to have Crazy Uncle Seth. Uh, join us on this episode but he's got some uh, stuff going on he's got like some medical shit so he can't uh, he probably won't be doing anything for doing the episodes for the next like two or three weeks but uh, um, he's also like super weird about like he's like I I, like my dad's side of the family is like weird like for a month I can call you I can text you and you'll, you'll pick up and you'll answer me right away and then there's like a month where I don't know. I don't even know if you're alive because you don't respond <laughs> to texts. You don't respond to calls or your phone's been dead for like three days. It's just like super weird, but um, we're going to get him back on at some point. Um, this is something new that, that uh, I'm exploring, but we actually did like uh, a video recording on Riverside.fm and I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun to actually like be able to see each other. I'm wearing a little like Halloween type, costume it's like just this makeshift thing i wanted to be silly and wearing like ski goggles and a fucking wig and random shit i got michael myers in the background with me with some lighting and um i just think it adds like a kind of a cool interactive factor uh for both like keller and i wherever else i have on as a as a guest but also for you guys if you enjoy that so obviously i'm going to be publishing the audio track of this recording on the, our free sites, you know, the Apple Podcasts, the Spotify, everywhere you listen to your podcasts. But the video portion is going to go on our Patreon account. So you can be become a patron for as low as I think like two bucks a month or something. So I'm putting extra bonus exclusive content on there that anything from these videos like this, um, pre-recording, just like bullshitting, talking, getting to know us better, and also some written pieces that I'm putting together and that I'm working on currently. So by all means, check that out. It's just the film room on Patreon. It has the same logo and everything. Um, also, check us out on Facebook and, and Twitter. I'm trying to keep it a little bit consistent with the postings. Things have been kind of been crazy with, you know, I got a new kid. I got a new job and all this crazy stuff going on. So I'm trying to keep up with that and everything and, and coordinating these these episodes. But uh, we're going to start uh you know, pumping out more and trying to be a little bit more consistent with that and try to be as proactive on our social media accounts to let you guys know beforehand um, when those episodes are going to be coming out, what's in the works. And uh, please don't be a stranger on uh, checking that out and seeing uh, uh, what kind of content we have out on there. But um, I can't think of anything else. I just got to thank you guys so much for, for listening and uh, taking the time to hear two buffoons chat about, Halloween, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Matt. I'll yeah, dress course, up next man. time. It's a, it's always fun to yeah, get something together and hopefully hopefully we can get I, I don't I think this can hold up to like four or five people. We should get a fucking big ass group or something. That'd be funny. We need a panel. A panel. We I'll I'll just be the moderator. Yeah, and to, we'll I'm have some debates. Thing. We'll have some yeah, tasteful debates. Yeah, that'll be fun. But All right, guys, until next time. Keep screaming. Bye.